Hebrews chapter 13, we'll be doing verses 20 through 25. Get to end the, the book here. It's the benediction and the final greetings from the book of Hebrews. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Thank you, Steve. Before we get started, let me just mention this real quickly. Uh, next Sunday, following our service, we're going to take just a few minutes, five or ten minutes, to present some concepts that, uh, well, our building committee has been meeting with um, our architects, and the architects have come up with some concepts that are really pretty exciting. And we're going to talk over it again with the deacons a little bit tomorrow night. Then, then Sunday, we plan to just give you some ideas of some updates of where that's headed and some things to look forward to that. So keep that in mind. That's next Sunday after our morning service. May I start with the title of the message today? Encouragement that sustains endurance. Let's start by praying. God, we we need your help. We need your strength. We need your encouragement. Thank you, Lord, that you do that, and you help us to press on for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep on going. Help each one here under the preaching of your word as we open this scripture, this very powerful scripture, We understand how important it is. Lord, help us to be able to respond from our hearts with faith. Even as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, faith that has substance and and purpose. Pray, God, that you would keep us in your way. Lord, watch over a number of families that are traveling yet uh, this weekend. Thank you they could do that and bring them back to us safely. We know that a number of folks are dealing with illnesses and kids that are sick. God, would you encourage them and help them and strengthen them and be the healer? And God, would you bring us all back together again? And may we be able to truly give thanks to your name during this Thanksgiving season because of your great power, because of who you are. Not the circumstances that determines our joy. It's our God who has revealed himself to us in this book, the Bible, the Word of God. So we open it. May we be humble before you. May we listen with attentive hearts, not just with ears. Help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, the last several verses here. Uh, You know, I I love serving as one of the shepherds here at at Walnut Park. It's a privilege. Well, most of the time. (laughs) Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's just painful. Sometimes it's hard work. You know that. 
But there is so much to be thankful for in our ministry together in our church family. One of the highlights of ministry here has been the monthly communion service that we have. Every first Sunday of the month, uh, we, we observe communion because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, right? And um, so the first Sunday of the month is, is communion Sunday or the Lord's table. Uh, and for the last number of months, we've number of years, we've been addressing the book of Hebrews. And the, the idea came to me from an old southern preacher. His name was Jesse Boyd. And at the time, he was well into his 80s when I knew him. And it seemed like the longer he preached, the stronger he got. And I think he lived in, well into his 90s. But this old southern preacher had a gravelly voice and kind of scare you when he started talking. And he was just so serious-minded. And he took the word of God and held it high. And you knew this was God's word that was being presented. And I remember him saying one time, just in passing, that at his church, every communion Sunday, they addressed the book of Hebrews. And I remember thinking as a, just a teenager, 18, 19 years old, I remember thinking, oh, if I ever get a chance, someday I want to do that. And here we've been able to do that. And that's been a great privilege. Never before have I had that chance to do that. And here over the last many months, um, I think we started on April 2nd, 2016. Sunday morning, April 2nd, 2016, we began our journey through Hebrews. Communion Sunday, the study of the book of Hebrews. April 2nd, 2016. That was a whole different world just seven and a half years ago, right? Uh, Wow. And you know what I'm coming to as I come to this passage? I'm thinking, I don't want it to end. What are we going to do without coming to the book of Hebrews on Communion Sunday? It's kind of like... I remember when I graduated from high school. Do you remember that day? Was that a good day for you? Or a, I'm glad that's over. For me, I didn't want it to end. And we had this big ceremony and all the robes and the hats and all that and all the awards and speeches and, and uh, walking across the stage and saying, I'm not going to trip, I'm not going to trip, and then got through that. And, and then all of a sudden it was done. Now what? Well, we go to a, I think we went roller skating. That was the big event. So we all went roller, roller, roller skating, and I thought, this is kind of anticlimactic. And then what do you do after that? Well, you want to stay up all night because it's graduation night. And I remember thinking on the way to uh, International House of Pancakes, I thought, and I think it was like 2 or 3 in the morning, I thought, there's got to be more to it than this. And actually, we were walking down the middle of the four-lane highway because there was no cars out. We thought, well, we've always wanted to walk down the highway. Let's just do it now. And so that's not a good idea. I'm not suggesting that for anybody. And we were looking, but, but we went to International House of Pancakes, and I thought, oh, I don't want my high school days to be done. And I got through it. But I remember thinking, oh, this is, this is sad. I don't want to finish. That's the same kind of emotion 
that I have here with coming to the end of Hebrews. This has been a highlight for me. Every, I, I want to shout every first Sunday of the month, it's communion Sunday, this is so good. Seven and a half years of it. So let's just jump into this and let's finish on a high note, and it really does. This is really a good passage for us. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 22 through 25. Let's start with just this observation. I think it's an interesting observation. The same word is used twice in this passage. We read, I appeal to you, brothers, to bear with my word of exhortation. Now, in English, it doesn't show up as the same word. But when you're looking that in the, the language that was, was written in, that was given to us originally in that Greek language, it's the same word that shows up. That word appeal is the verb form of this word, and that word exhortation is the noun form of that word. Um, it's the parakaleo and the paraklesis. And those two words are the same word, and it's used one after another. Now, I... That jumped off the page at me. I noticed it because on Wednesday evenings, we've been going through a series with those that are in our Bible study on how to find encouragement in the Bible. And so I've been looking for that word, and you can look for that word. I encourage you to look for that word anywhere you can find it. Do a word study on on what the Bible has to say about encouragement. And often it's translated exhort or comfort. Our comforter, the Holy Spirit is our encourager, he's our helper. Uh, sometimes it's uh, translated, I urge, or here, as we have in our ESV, it's to appeal. Our, we really want to build you up with this, to exhort you. And uh, I, I, I just cannot help but think that this is an important way of ending the book, and the writer of Hebrews is doing this on purpose because he knows we need it. Be encouraged. In our Wednesday night Bible study, as we've been talking through this, um, I asked, one of the first weeks we were talking about it, I I asked, so what is encouragement? And we were coming up with different thoughts and ideas about encouragement. What is it? And somebody, I think one of our men said, I think it means to be strengthened. And it was like, boom, that's it. To be encouraged means to be strengthened for what, we're not going to give up. We're going to press on. We're, we're, going to, we're going to keep at it. We're going to stand up tall. We're going to stand strong. We're not going to give in. That's what it means to be encouraged. Literally, the word is alongside, call out. To run alongside and cheer somebody on to finish the race. That's the idea of this word, parakaleo, to encourage And we need it to be strengthened for the task. We can be strengthened for the task through the word. Strengthened for the task by considering, again, the gospel. And that's what happened as we were singing these old hymns earlier on in the service. Be strengthened for the task by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can be strengthened through our church family strengthening one another such a valuable privilege we have to have a church family to find strength with one another. There's another word in this passage that I think bears our attention as well, and it's that word to bear with. You see it there? Uh, I have written to you 
to bear with my word of exhortation, to hold up, to keep on standing on a chest to bear with us. And that is the idea of to endure, not to quit. So the question that I think you're probably asking is probably the same question that I've been working on as I look at this passage. So where am I going to find encouragement? How do I get that? What will produce encouragement? Where can I find it? What will produce encouragement that sustains the long-term race to endure? Not quit. Well, this is a very simple outline as in these three short verses. I guess four short verses. The last verse is very, very short. Grace be with you all. In these short verses, a simple outline but I think it will draw out much to meditate upon in the days ahead. The first is this. Find your sustaining encouragement in the Word. In the Word. We, we read, it, it, you, to be encouraged, it has to come from this word of encouragement, this word of exhortation that the writer of Hebrews has written to us in this short letter. It's the Word not what he's saying, but it's what God is saying through the word that God gave him, this inspired scripture. All scripture is written by God, and it's profitable. It's breathed out by God, and it's profitable. It's going to help you. So the way you find encouragement is to open the book and start reading, listening to it. It's God's word. And in this word, we find Jesus Christ, and we make much of Jesus Christ, and in that, you're going to find encouragement. You find sustaining encouragement in the Word. The other day, I was in a conversation with one of the men in our church, and we were praying together, and, and I asked him, I said, so, I just, I don't know, I, was, I don't know why I asked it this way, but I just did. I asked him, so, um, how can I encourage you today? And his response was awesome. He said this, you know, I'm finding my encouragement in the Word. Well, yeah. It's exactly what we need to understand. You find your encouragement in the Word. Why read your Bible? Why study the Bible? Why listen to sermons? Why come to church on a Sunday morning when you could be sleeping in with that extra hour that you had today? You're going to be strengthened for your life. You're going to be strengthened for your task. You're going to be built up. You're going to be encouraged. Last Sunday when John Jinks was preaching uh, from Isaiah chapter 40, you remember that? I was sitting in the back. Usually I'm up on the front row or whatever, but as it turned out, I ended up sitting in the back last time, and I was just kind of watching our whole congregation. And there really was a sense of encouragement as we considered this, this passage, comfort my people, be encouraged by this. The entire reason for the book of Hebrews is that, that we would be encouraged in Christ. On Sunday, April 2nd, 2016, seven and a half years ago, we began this series, this time in the book of Hebrews together with these words. The book of Hebrews shows that Christ is the living reality. He is the word. He's the living reality which the Old Testament institutions 
only foreshadowed. All the sacrifices, all the priests, everything that was in the law, that was foreshadowing of what Christ would fulfill. It's all about Christ. I said that on April 2nd, 2016. It's all about Christ. And that really is one of the foundational things for this church. The Bible is truth. We can count on it. And life is all about Christ, our Lord and our God. And as you open this book of Hebrews and you look in it and you read, you realize that everything he's writing about is all about Jesus. The outline of Hebrews, as we go back and look at it briefly here, is pretty straightforward. You want to see Jesus as your living word, this logos, this logic for your reality. It's all about Jesus. Verses chapter 1 through chapter 4, verse 13. And you want to see Jesus as your high priest, this one who makes it possible to be with God, to know God. He is the high priest, chapters 4, verse 14 through chapter 8. You remember that section and and the comparison, how much better Christ is than all of these other rituals that go on. Churches do their best, but they can't not measure up to this one who is Jesus. And Jesus is your perfect sacrifice. No other sacrifice will avail. We have to have the one and only one. The priest would do it every year, but Jesus was offered up one time as the perfect sacrifice once and for all to cover us from all of our sin. Chapters 9 through chapter 10, verse 39. And then as we've been the last several months seeing Jesus as your sanctification, all the way through the faith chapter in chapter 11 and and all the way to these verses here in the end of chapter 13. It's all about Jesus. So we've studied the doctrine of Christology or the doctrine of Christ, that he is better than anything else, any other religious effort, any other possession, any other fulfillment. He is your best. He is so much better. The reality is these Jewish Christians were being pressured by the problems in life. Bad circumstances. They were under persecution. And there was a cost for being a Christian. There still is. So in spite of that, don't quit. Why? Because of Jesus. He's so much better. We have a high priest, the high priest. He is better than the angels. He's better than the Mosaic covenant. He's better than the high priest. And yes, there are warnings. And with each one of those warnings in Hebrews, there's an encouragement So we listen as a little child would listen, and we humbly receive this message of Jesus Christ. You're going to feel pressured to pull away. Be prepared for that. And you prepare for that by doing this. Open your book, the Bible, and say, God, speak to me. You prepare for the trials by doing this on a regular basis. Look to Jesus. And as you open the Bible, you look for Jesus. We have this high priest. He has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, he is not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted or tested like we are, yet without sin. He is our perfect substitute. You're going to run into pressure in life. I don't quit. Prepare for that. Run to your Bible. And in that, emphasize knowing Jesus. Not just reading a religious book, 
but you want the person of Jesus Christ. You're looking for Jesus when you open the book. Number two, find your sustaining encouragement in what God is doing. Now, this is where this passage really started opening up for me. This was fun. You say, Pastor, is God doing anything in our day? How is that even possible? How can we find encouragement in what God is doing? I mean, these are hard times. Things are so bad, it can't get any worse, can it? I always hesitate to say that because it does. (laughs) But consider Timothy. You should know that our brother, verse 23, Timothy has been released with whom I should, shall see you if he comes soon. Consider Timothy. Now, you know Timothy. He had a godly mother and grandmother, and he was given the gospel early on as just a young man. And when Paul was introduced to him, Paul was prompted to see that there was some potential in this young man. By the way, when we work with our children, We'll address this next week, Lord willing, back in our study of Mark. But when we see the children, we need to see the potential, what God could be doing in their lives, what could happen if, if we just invested a little bit of God's love and his truth to them. Paul saw some potential in Timothy, and he invested in him, and he, and he discipled him. He brought him to the word of God and explaining it and learning how to live it, and he Timothy turned into a man of God that was a pastor of the church in Ephesus. Timothy. Was it possible that Timothy was in prison? It says he has been released. Our brother Timothy has been released. That word release is used in its normal context of somebody who is let out of jail. You look at the end of 2 Timothy. Uh, Paul has a request. Timothy, can you bring my coat? And can you bring the books? Those are needful to me. I need those. And Timothy was a long way away. But the indication is that I think we can come up with this conclusion Paul fulfilled that, or Timothy fulfilled that request. And so the assumption, we could make the assumption that Timothy may have done that, and in so doing, when he came to meet Paul, was he put in prison as well? When you read 2 Timothy, you read that Paul knew that it was the end. Uh, He said, "My, my time of departure has come. He knew he was not going to be getting out of jail, out of prison. And he was there simply for talking about Jesus Christ. And Timothy was released. And what God did through Timothy after that point was an incredible work of helping build up the church there at Ephesus. Timothy endured. There was a next generation 
where God was building his church. Think of that. Consider that. As you go through the trials, the disappointments, the discouragements, the, oh, no, what are we going to do? Well, number one, pray to your almighty God who has power. And we don't come saying, oh, I, all I can do is pray. We come, we get to pray. And we pray with confidence that God answers prayer. And we know that there's another generation that God is building up. And we invest in discipleship to bring them along with that. Timothy. Consider also the churches. This is the church age. And the churches were springing up in unbelievable places. Uh, Apparently, the writer of Hebrews... We don't, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews was necessarily. It, number, it could be somebody that we know of. It could be somebody that we don't know of. I think the early church knew who, he was, who this writer was. And this writer knew of their church. He says to them, greet all your leaders, verse 24. I don't know who those leaders were, but he knew who, the, who those leaders were. And there was something God was doing through this local church These people that were looking to Jesus Christ and they were organizing themselves together as a body of believers to serve the Lord and they had some leaders to help them with that. He also speaks here of some who were in Italy. Uh, Greet all your leaders and all the saints, everybody in your church, and those who are from Italy send you greetings. Now, I don't know where they were at this point. They had been in Italy. They could have still been in Italy. I'm not sure. But we know that those that were in Rome suffered some severe persecution, yet they didn't quit. They pressed on. And we know that they had to set up their, their lives in the catacombs because of the persecution in other places. And they were scattered to many other regions because they were not allowed to remain there in Rome. Yet they kept their faith in Christ. God is still building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So don't quit. Be encouraged. And when you see God working in the heart of another person, (coughs) be encouraged. When somebody else is asking questions about this book, be encouraged. When somebody says, hey, would you pray for me? (coughs) Be encouraged. When somebody is wondering what in the world is going on in this world and they're talking to you, asking for some answers, be encouraged. You know what? God's still at work in our place. He's still at work here in Muscatine. And we need to stay alert to what God is doing around us. Consider Timothy and consider the churches. Even though they were living in a culture of great peril, they endured, encouraged and what they knew was true of Jesus Christ that they found in his word. And then number three, find your sustaining encouragement in your experience of what we see in the very last verse, verse 25, grace be with you all. Now, this isn't just a tag to put at the end of a letter or at the, put, at the beginning of a letter. They understood this word, this word grace. It's what it was all about. What is grace? Well, we know the G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's so true. God is giving us something that there's no way we can come up with. The price it takes for us to have eternal life. God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid it all. And we're going to consider that again here in just a moment. So all to him we owe. 
God was enabling salvation. God was enabling life in us through the work of the Holy Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He gave us His grace. The ability to be saved. (coughs) To grow. To endure. God the Holy Spirit enables faith. God enables obedience. And God enables Hebrews 4.16 confidence. Where we can come boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those moments when there's no way we can make it through this, but God gives us the strength, the encouragement to carry on. And he will strengthen you. He will help you at that moment you don't think you can make it. That's an amazing grace. And he will provide all you need. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Christian, endure. May be that your mindset, along with Paul, is most gladly will I glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me as you experience God's grace. Be encouraged with that. Through the word, through what God is doing around you, and through the personal experience of God's grace. Let me tell you a story about the hymn that we sang a little bit earlier, A Mighty Fortress. That's an old hymn. I hope that it's not too old for you to enjoy and appreciate. There's so much doctrine and a powerful message in that. And when you understand the context, you're understanding God was strengthening his people for a very difficult time. Martin Luther compose that as we understand it. There's a lot of history that goes into it somewhere in the 1520s, which is following something very significant that happened in Martin Luther's ministry as he was studying the scriptures, reading Galatians and Romans and and other passages, but he came face to face with the reality of God's grace, the, the sufficiency of the scriptures and the sufficiency of Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He got that. And in 1517, he made that statement. He hammered it on the, the wall of, or the door of the, of, the, of, the, of the church. And word got out, and all of a sudden this reformation is taking place, and they faced all kinds of persecution for that. So one of the ways they faced that persecution was by singing a song that addressed everything that was with that. And the very last verse reads, Though mortal life, this mortal life, excuse me, let goods and kindred go, and this mortal life also, the body they may kill. That was happening everywhere. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. That's with confidence they were singing that. That became the the hymn of the Reformation and their confidence with knowing that who God is and his strength even to the point of dealing with death. It was after Christmas in 1944 during the war that ten young men who had aided the Dutch underground during World War II were captured by the Nazis. Ten young men, all ten men, were believers in Jesus Christ. 
And the Nazis had announced that these men would be executed as an act of reprisal against the Dutch underground who were trying to help people get out of, uh, Jews and others try to get out of, of Germany at that time in the, the concentration camps. So at the end of 1944, these young men were marched into the town square and lined up in front of the firing squad. The guns were set and ready. And the German officer in charge flashed a cruel grin, acting all high and mighty on the safe side of those powerful guns. And with a sadistic glare, he mocked those Dutch Christian young men. So what are you going to do now? You going to beg for mercy? And on New Year's Eve, 1944, the young men who stood before that Nazi firing squad did not beg for mercy. Instead, spontaneously, they sang, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he, amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe, his craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, and on earth is not his equal. The men about to die sang all the stanzas by memory. And the last stanza was the most appropriate. That word, above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours, it's going to help us, through him who with us sideth. <clears throat> Let goods and kindred go. The mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom forever. The Lord strengthened them, and their heart trusted in him, and they were helped. And they rejoiced, and they were able to sing a song even at that moment of greatest trial. And the officer barked, ready, aim, fire. There's more. Hiding in the distance, another young man watched. He too had been part of the Dutch underground. But unlike the other ten men, he was not a believer, <clears throat> and he rejected that. He had turned from that. He didn't want that. His name was Garrett Bruning. Garrett had rejected the gospel all of his life. Uh, he wanted to do good. He was helpful. He, was, he saw the cause of helping with the underground, but he didn't need the gospel. He didn't need Jesus. His mother had faithfully prayed for him continually and he knew the truth of the gospel yet he had never responded with humble faith so on that new year's eve in 1944 garrett after watching the testimony and the execution of these 10 christians that he knew were christians that evening while in hiding in a secret shelter he prayed Oh, Savior, 
I see them in my mind's eye, full of your strength. And I hear the prayers of my godly mother reverberating through my years of childhood. It's real to me now. I know it's all true. I can see that Jesus Christ died for me personally. Oh, Jesus, take my sin and my bitterness, and I accept you as my Savior right now. God took care of him, and God answered that prayer. After the war, Garrett ended up coming here to the United States. Saw an American girl they really fell for. She was a believer, loved Jesus Christ. They had a daughter whom they taught to trust in Jesus as well. That daughter grew up to be a faithful pastor's wife. Um, Married a man by the name of Lee Crockett. She has four sons who are now serving the Lord. One of those sons, named Nathan Crockett, who served in our ministry as an intern in Illinois a number of years ago. He's now a professor training hundreds of young men to serve the Lord, to preach the gospel, to be ministers for Jesus Christ. And one of those young men is our youth pastor, Jordan Allen. What looked like the end was just the beginning of God's work of grace, not just in Garrett, but in the generations to come. We need the conviction and the courage that comes that knowing the Word of God is the truth and it's explaining to us Jesus Christ. We need to keep our eyes wide open what God is doing around us, understanding that there is a warfare going on. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your children. There's a battle going on. And we look to see how, and we keep on praying, knowing that God answers prayer. He's powerful. And we find courage in that prayer. And we lean on the Lord for his grace to help us to do the next right thing even in the hardest of moments. Find your encouragement in the doctrine of Jesus Christ found in the Word of God. It is all about Christ, our Lord and our God. See God's continuing work in you and around you, even if you're no longer on the scene. His story continues. He will do His work of building His church. And understand the power of of God's grace. Let's pray. Lord, everyone here needs to be encouraged, strengthened for the battle. Each one of us is going through some hard times. Each one of us is enduring temptation and trial. To God, you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we're asking now, Lord, that you would give us a conviction of your word as it is the truth, making much of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I would ask that each person in this room and each one listening online would understand the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart, drawing them to say, yes, Jesus, I want you. 
I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I need the grace of God. For by grace are we saved through faith, that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I pray that your gospel message would ring in the heart so that there would be a response just like Garrett saying, yes, I believe Jesus, will you please save me? I'd ask that every believer here would be strengthened by your word, by your continued work, and by your amazing grace. And God, I pray that each one of us here would go from here convinced, encouraged by the Holy Spirit that you are the almighty fortress, our God, never failing. May that be our conviction and our encouragement now, even as we sing it. In Jesus' name.